Get your Bibles out and go to Philippians chapter 2 to this morning's sermon. is called The True Story of Christmas. I love this time of year. I got saved um, November 16th, 1975, right around the Christmas season. But I've always loved it in the home that I grew up in. And we have my, my sister and her husband watch us or listen to us online. And so, you know, the home I grew up in, we always had love. There was, we didn't have a lot, but we had, and I remembered that Robin and Nancy and mom would always pop popcorn and sew them together. Did y'all do that? I would steal the popcorn and eat it. There was always one bad kid in the house, and it was me. And, um, but anyway, I remembered that, and I remembered hanging the tinsel on the trees. Do y'all remember doing all that? Does anybody even do it anymore where you one at a time? I mean, it takes hours and hours and hours. But it was always the memories and the love and the, the fellowship around the house. And then it, I think once it snowed at Christmas once. And it was just like a miracle to go outside and watch it snowing on Christmas in our front yard. It was just neat. So I have good memories of my home life. Christmas has always been special, and it is now. There's a reason that it is, and one of the reasons is, is people are nicer. They're not necessarily nice 12 months a year, but they seem to be nice now. Well, I'd like to start a tradition. Let's see if we can keep it going to January. What do y'all think? So I want to talk about the real meaning, the real story of Christmas, because this is probably one of the greatest miracles, one of the greatest miracles in the Bible, if not the greatest. I think the greatest is Jesus rising from the dead, and so it's kind of hard to trump his resurrection. But the fact that God became a man is incredible. The incarnate almighty God took on humanity and walked among us. And uh, for the ones of you that are thinking that Jesus was born December 25th, he was not. That was started by some priest that got his dates wrong. Jesus was born actually in the month of March on the first day of the Jewish calendar of the new year. And that's why the, the shepherds were in the fields watching over the flocks because the, the lambs were being born. It was springtime. And so uh, and just in case you missed it, we're still going to celebrate it this time of the year. Because I can't even imagine having a hot Christmas. And so it's just a, when we get, someday it'll all be changed and it'll be okay anyway. So, but for right now, um, this is one of my favorite times of year. I think yours too. But I want to get into the real meaning of Christmas and what really happened. So if you don't mind, go to Philippians chapter 2. Let's start with verse 5. I, probably 6 will pop up on the screen up there. But anyway, it says, Let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. He took the form of a bondservant and came in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. That's what we were just talking about. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's go back up to verse 6. And let's start off with the word, who being in the form of God. The literal word being is the Greek word, something that has always been. Jesus being in the form of God has always been God. He did not become God in the manger when he was born. In other words, there was a pre-existence of the Lord Jesus Christ before the manger. Now, we're gonna pr I'm going to prove that to you because I got to make a point here. So I'm going to, like a lawyer, I'm going to make a little bit of a point because a lot of times people, they don't know the whole story of what happened in redemption. And it didn't start at Easter. It actually started right here at his birth. And so it says here that in the form of God... Uh, being, being in the form of God, and the, the Greek word form means all the, of the splendor and the glory of God. In other words, before the manger, he was very God in all of God's glory. In other words, he didn't lack anything. 
so that, so that we understand that when he came, and let me read that to us, who did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself no reputation. And the word no reputation means to make empty, to evacuate, to vacate, to vacate and relinquish. So the concept that Jesus walked the earth as God is wrong. He did not. He left everything behind and took on humanity 100% man. Now, that might mess up your theology a little bit because there's a group of people who say Jesus healed people to prove he was God. He did not. He walked the earth as a man. Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus his name is the name of a man. Now, why did he do this? Well, there's two reasons he did it. One of the reasons he had to defeat Satan as a man. But you understand something. We're going to learn something right now about the nature of God. In the garden, when God made Adam and Eve and he made the earth, he did everything for one reason. I mean, he made the universe, he made all the stars, he made everything to work perfectly. He made the earth, he filled it full of animals, he filled it full of birds, he put the air here and the rivers and the springs and all for one reason, man, he did it for you. He did it because of his great love for people. Now, we understand in the garden, he lost it all. Now think about that for a minute. God gives man the earth and gives him dominion. And Adam, as a traitor, turns it over to an archangel we know as Lucifer. Now where is God? He's on the outside looking in. He's out of the picture. Still here, but he, he's, but he doesn't have any right to anything. He doesn't have a right to man. He doesn't have a right to anything. So God, in his great wisdom came to a man named Abraham and cut a covenant with him. Now, we, we, we've studied the covenant that God made with Abraham, but God had a reason for doing that. So he made this covenant. Abraham, everything that's mine is yours. Abraham goes, I can do that. But everything that's yours is mine. We think he's trying to take something. What does Abraham have that God wants? A body. Abraham had a body. He, had, he was a human so God wanted a body, and he needed to cut a covenant with a man so he could re-enter the earth as a human. So through the Abrahamic covenant, so everything we see from Abraham, Moses, all the way up through time until the time Jesus was born, all of that was because God wanted to re-enter the picture. He had to come back. And undo what Adam had done and what Satan had stolen. Now we read things like, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. And I, and I came that, you know, he talks about the authority of the believer. I came to seek that which was lost. What was lost? Well, the authority was lost. And if a man lost it, a man had to regain it. But we have a problem. The whole human race is tainted. Everyone is under the devil. I mean everybody. So God, in his great love, had to become totally human. That's incredible. Now, many of you superhero people have read the Greek mythology like the movie of Thor. What is that? That's God becoming a human. The incarnation is something people have only dreamed of. But I want you to imagine this for a minute. It actually happened. So much so that when Jesus entered the picture, people could not believe what he said. Now think about this. He didn't come as God. He came as a man. But yet he walked the earth as a man. But then like if you read on the Sermon on the Mount, let's think about this for a minute. He's on the Sermon on the Mount, and he makes statements like, you have heard it said. He's talking about Moses. And then he said, I say. He's trumping Moses. 
Now, he's either God or he's crazy. Or was he crazy? Was not crazy. But I want you to think about this. God has a problem. He has a problem. First of all, he's a righteous God. He demands perfection. That's created a problem for him because even though he created, he demands perfection, he's in love with us. He loves us. So now he has what he loves gone. And now he's got to get it back. So in his perfection, someone's got to pay the debt. So he does it himself. He pays it himself. So where you are today was a gift. Well, here's the thing that I want you to start seeing about him. When he came, one of the things that he did was he brought mercy back. The religious people did not understand this because they didn't know God. They saw God as a harsh, hard, demanding God, and he was. But yet when Jesus came on the scene, and Lisa was talking about this a while ago, isn't it funny how we see God as the mean guy and Jesus is the nice guy? But Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So what's God really like? It's amazing how many crazy ideas we have about Christianity. Yet Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So you don't have to wonder what God's like. You can actually see him. And what was he like? What was he like? I'm going to read something to you. And this is going to set the stage for a wonderful Christmas sermon. Well, before I do that, i got to, I got to prove something. Go to John 8, 58. i got to prove something. Huh? I can't do it until I prove it. Was Jesus God? In 58, Jesus says, Most surely I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was, I am? Who's he talking about? He's talking about himself. Okay, look at another one. John 1. The book of John, chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. And the light shone in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And in verse verse 11, it says, and he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Where did he come from? Well, he's almighty God. Now, let's look at one more real quick because this will nail the coffin down. Or whatever it is you want to nail down. John 17, chapter 17, verse 1. And Jesus spoke these words and lifted his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. And as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he would give eternal life to as many as have given him. And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself and the glory I had with you before the world was. So we see he's always been here but not as man. So in the Old Testament, he wasn't called Jesus. Let's talk about eternal life for just a moment so that we don't get this all messed up. Did you know that when I got saved, my biggest question was what happened to me? Did you know I didn't know? I walked an aisle, prayed a sinner's prayer, went home that night, and I've been thinking about God every day since. Something happened to me. I mean, I didn't get religion. I didn't get forgiven. Something happened to me. I did not know I thought a Christian was a forgiven sinner. I did not know that the moment, see, Jesus, when he went to the cross, him who knew no sin became sin. Him who knew no sin, he didn't didn't take your sin, he became it. Why? Because you didn't do sin, you were. You were dead in sin. So if you're dead, what can you do to become better? Not much. Go to the morgue and try. Pull one out. Hey, buddy, if you'll straighten up and fly right and uh, start being nice, we will let you out of here. And the morgue and the dead guy said, nothing. Okay, uh, that's a joke. If you didn't ever read the story of, uh, if you didn't know Uncle Remus and the Tar Baby, that didn't make any sense to you. But that dates me because I read good stuff when I was a kid. But anyway, I actually drove through the town and the little house that got, uh, Uncle Remus lived in. So anyway, so if you were dead in sin, what was God going to do about that? Well, he had to become sin for you and, and he had to die spiritually, not physically. On the cross, he died. See, if he'd never died spiritually, he'd have never died physically. 
because he was immortal. Jesus wasn't like you. He was immortal. He couldn't die. If he didn't die on the cross, he'd still be walking around today. Same age. Never grew old. But see, he, didn't do, he did that for you and me. So he went there, took your place, and once God was satisfied with the payment, he released him and raised him from the dead. So once Jesus was raised from the dead, the moment you confess him as Lord, you and him become one person. So if Jesus is righteous, you are. Because he handed it to you. So this is eternal life. When you say Jesus is Lord, he who has the Son has what? He who has the Son has life. Have you ever said Jesus is Lord? You have life. In you right now. You have life inside of the, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead entered you when you said Jesus is Lord. Say, what else is there? That's all you had to do. If you never came to church, you'd be saved. If you never tithed, you'd be saved. But then who would want to be a halfway Christian anyway? So I'm just saying that because I want you to understand, eternal life is a lot easier than we thought it has been. I'm going to show you something now. Are you all ready? Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's get into the real spirit of Christmas. Sometimes you can't get in the spirit of Christmas unless you have watched a Christmas movie. Now, I don't know whether y'all have ever done this or not. How many of you have watched the new cartoon Grinch? I need to know. I need O'Shea and other Have y'all seen Harvey in it? <laughs> Go home and watch it. Harvey is in the new Grinch movie. All right, y'all are looking at me like a dog in a new bowl. You remember the guy that said, the Grinch is my friend, and he hugs everybody? <laughs> Never mind. Y'all are so, the rest of y'all are going, maybe we should watch the new Grinch movie. Yeah, maybe you should. You get in the, no, you can actually get in the spirit of Christmas without a Grinch movie, but that's my tradition. If nobody watches it with me, I always watch The Grinch because I know what he was like before he got a new heart. Father, help me with the rest of this sermon. These people are not working with me today. All right, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Everything is new. Now all things are of God who reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation or the same ministry of reconciliation. Look at this, verse 19. That is, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. Let's think, all right, all right, come on. How many good people were on the earth when Jesus came? And what anybody? How many did he help? Everybody who came. How many did he heal? As many as received him. Listen to me. Think about this. God finally, God has been on the outside looking in and he goes, okay, I've got to get among them. He takes on humanity. He does all of this for one reason only, you. Now he gets into the earth and he turns 30 years of age and he turns and he busts loose out of the house one day and he goes back and what's he do? He starts healing people. Amen. Why? He loves them. The Bible says he was moved with compassion. Think about this. There wasn't anybody any good. That didn't seem to hinder him. It says in John that the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. What is grace? Undeserved favor. Unmerited, undeserved, raw love. Why? Because he's love. Not because you're lovely, but because he's love. Now, here's the thing, and many of you have heard me tell my story about how I got born again. This is the thing, I wasn't looking for him. I was afraid of him. See, sinners don't go to church. 
They're hiding in the garden, half naked with, with fig leaves from Eve's leaves. That's the way sinners are. People, when y'all, some of y'all have a hard, had a hard time just walking in the first time, thinking that you're going to be met with a whole bunch of condemnation. No, you didn't. You came in here and you went, they like me. They were nice. They actually loved me. Isn't that amazing? Because this is six acres of no condemnation, just like Jesus. Okay. When, when, when he came, he came with no judgment. He didn't hold anybody's sins against them in, or anything in order to require the mercy he gave them. Let's think about that a minute. Remember the man on the side of the road, son of David, have mercy on me. He stopped and never said he was good. The Pharisees running around going, he eats with hookers. Mary Magdalene was a hooker. Okay, they don't. They don't. This side, I don't know what to do with that. Mary Magdalene was not a good woman. It says they caught her in the act alone. I've always read that story and thought, where's the dude? We caught her. Get out of here, Joe. Grab that woman. Let's take, okay, never mind. Why is it always the woman that catches it? But have you noticed his attitude? It, it wasn't that he was okay with them, but he loved them. Has he changed? No, he has not. Let's say something right now because we just got through talking about a prostitute, but let's, re, let's, change, let's, bring, let's modernize that to an Antifa, green-haired, Democratic, homosexual, abortion-believing Democrat. How would we feel? I'm still having problems with this side. You know, there's people around us that are not good. But yet, here we kind of doil out the love. We'll give you some. Well, you're a good guy. You come to church. You tithe too. So let's, you, you, yeah, Sheila, we like her too, but... But those other people, you know, we just, hold on a minute, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. This Christmas, I'm trying to get the Christmas season extended beyond December right now. What was Jesus' attitude? Let's, I'm going to read it to you again. I want you, to, I want you to see this. This is absolutely powerful. When you get a hold of it, it says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. You know, one of the things that people need, you know, if a person's lost in sin, they really, they really didn't cause it. Adam did. Right? But they are already expecting you to reject them. You know that? When you don't, they don't know what to do with you. One of the things that I love doing is being nice to mean people. That's why I treated some of y'all so good when you came here. You just plain me. <laughs> Folks, this is fun. God so loved. Boy, if there ever was a message, I want, I want us as a church to get back, and I want you to do something because it's Christmas. I want, there's people not on your list. Put them back on it. Come, 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 over, I'm, come over there and talk to you. Stop demanding them become better before you love them. Really 
<laughs> you just try a whole lot harder, lady. You need to try a whole lot harder. I'm going to start checking up on you. I want you to make your husband the best dinner in the world, and I want you to start calling him sir. She's not the only woman in here that might need to start giving. Come on, come on, don't buy. I got rebellion in the camp. You're waiting on him to deserve it? No. Jesus did not wait on anybody to deserve anything that he gave to them. That's what messed the religious people up. It still messes religious people up. Because we're so, we're, we got a club here. This is a fraternal order. We are Christians. We talk in tongues. If you want to join our group, you have to jump through this hoop and do this. No, 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 no. We're supposed to be carrying on this. Come on, I'm doing good. At least it's Christmas. Start now. Everybody expects you to be nice. You know what's fun? Is when you do something for somebody who just doesn't deserve it. You, they, they have no idea what to do with you. I told a story Wednesday night, and I'm going to tell it again here because y'all weren't here Wednesday night. Some of you were. There was a guy, and I'm a, oh, I want to think of his name so bad, but he was, I went to work at Certain Teed, and he was a, he was a young black man. It's, it's not right to for call black people black boy, but anyway, a young black man. And he worked with me at Certain Teed, and he was mean. He had an attitude, always being a smart aleck. Well, I didn't like him. So I prayed that God would move him to another job. I didn't like him. And the Lord said to me one day, he said, if you knew what he went through, if you knew him, you wouldn't feel that way. I said, well, excuse me, but he is mean. He said, do you know why? I said, no, sir, apparently I don't. He said, Have you, he said number one, he was not raised by his mother and father. He was raised by his aunt. He has been run from home to home as a boy up in Boston, in the Bronx. I've never been there, have no desire to go. <laughs> Raised up in the Bronx, traded from family to family, and never been loved. Never been accepted by anybody. He has cross eyes. You never know where he's looking. And then he said this to me. He says, do you notice he doesn't have a coat? I said, I have not noticed that he doesn't have a coat. He rides a motorcycle. He had a brand new Harley Sportster, which back in then was the old 833. They were, they were cheap. And uh, he rode it to work. But, I mean, it's so cold outside. It's below, it's below 32 degrees. And he's coming to work with not even a coat on. Spent all of his money on a motorcycle. Didn't have a jacket. So I said, well, I have noticed that. And the Lord said to me, I want you to give him a coat. I went, that'd be good. See, I don't like him. I'm saying this because there's people you don't like. But God loves them. As a matter of fact, there's people who don't like you, but he loves you. So you might want to tell somebody, I'm loved. I'm loved. So anyway, I went home and I had one of these old army coats. And some of you men remember them. They had the old zip up front and the tie strap and they had the fur around. And they was like, an, and I never wore it because who, who needs that thing? It's too hot to wear. So I brought it to work and I handed it to him and I says, the Lord told me to give you this coat. And his response was, I don't want your charity honky. <laughs> I told you this guy has an attitude. I said, well, I also need to apologize for the way I treat you. And he's like, what for? I said, well, number one, I didn't know about your boyhood. And he says, 
You don't know nothing about me. I said, yes, I do. I said, um, I prayed that God would remove you because I don't like you. You're a pain. I said, but he told me about your aunt raising you. And he told me how you were kicked from pillar to post. And you've never been loved all your life. And you didn't even know your parents. I said, he told me how hard your life has been up until now. And, I, and I'm adding to your problem. Because now I don't like you. In other words, he's creating his own hell. And I said, and the Lord said he loves you. He wants me to give you a coat. And we're standing outside on the dock, and he starts crying, and his tears froze on his face. And he took the coat, and him and I became friends. So imagine just what love does. See, you got to be bigger. See, for God so loved the world, when we say that he became human... That was one of the greatest acts of love for our God to come here and walk among us like we did and then love us where we were. Now, that's powerful, guys. Just the whole season is all about how much God loves us. I have found out something about love. You can't give what you don't have. Until there was a time I didn't even like y'all. That's true. I didn't. I woke up Sunday morning and go, oh, God, these bunch of heathen, they get in there and preach. TJ one time uh, um, they was talking about me and he says, asked Lisa, he says, is pastor done? He goes, no, he's still hollering at the people. LJ, that was LJ, it was LJ. Yeah, I probably did a lot of hollering. But you know, you can't give love until you receive it. Until you've accepted he loves me unconditionally, you're not giving it away. And once you accept, he loves me because he's love. So he did that. He came to this earth and he loved people everywhere he went unconditionally. Just whatever they need, they came to him. He just loved them. He blessed them. He forgave them. And he just, he just loved them. Everywhere he went, he just loved people. Even though he knew that one day they'd nail him to a cross. I want to read something to you because, um, and I don't know whether there's any of these books left or not out there. There's probably one or two. I would like to buy them because every young person in this church needs to have this book. It's called The Man Who Talked to Flowers. It's the life story of George Washington Carver. This man is a hero of mine. I, I love this guy. Um, he was a black slave in Alabama, and he turned the South around. This man financially saved the South as a black man with no rights. Isn't that amazing? Now, I want to, I'm going to read something to you because what a sweet man he was. Um, but he, he had a place in Tuskegee. It was a little shop where he invented peanut butter. Um, almond milk that you drink today, he invented it. it was, he, he made milk out of peanuts. He made varnish. He made, uh, uh, he made paint. He, this man made it. He made thousands of inventions. Now, I want to read to you what he says. And he says... Uh, here's what I call God's little workshop, said Dr. Carver. And the next moment, we entered his sacred little precinct, the place of miracles. No books were ever brought in here, he went on. And what is the need of books? Here I talk to the little peanut, and it reveals its secrets to me. And I lean upon the 29th verse of the first chapter of Genesis. And God said, Behold, I've given you every herb and bearing seed upon which the face of the earth and every tree in which the fruit of the tree yielding seed, so it shall be to you for meat. He says he found a scripture in the Bible, um, and he used that as he talked to flowers and to peanuts and to stuff. Now listen to what he says. This man asked him, he says, You have a habit of talking to the little flower or the peanut and in making it give its secrets to you, he remarked, how do you do it? He said, you have to love it enough, said Dr. Carver. Anything will give up its secret if you love it enough. What a statement. 
think about the Wright brothers. They loved flying, and flying released its secrets to them. Uh, Alexander Graham Bell wanted to be able to talk on a phone, and yet um, that, that sound revealed its secrets because he loved it. There are people right now that don't like you. Can I tell you how to change it? Start praying for them. When you pray for someone, you create a bond between you and them in the spirit. And a love begins between you and them. Wow. What you love, whatever it is you love, will give its secrets to you. The, who's the guy that Edison invented the light bulb? Well, he just loved light, and it revealed its secrets. The light showed him the secrets to light. Jesus said, seek and you shall find. It wasn't a casual thing. Love opens doors that cannot be opened any other way. Marriage works because you chose to love your spouse. Don't wait on them. God did not wait on you to love him. He started the process. Has it worked? Yes, it did. Here's the thing he wants us to do. He wants us to continue this. That's why this is the time of the year. Everybody loves Christmas because people are nice and talking. Let's continue it the whole month of January too. Well, then maybe we should go to February. When you people walk in here, I'm going to tell you a secret. We already love you. We don't know you. You might be a handful, and we don't care. <laughs> Had a lady meet me at the door one day, and she said, you don't want me in your church. I said, why don't we? She said, I'm a mess. I said, you'll fit in here real good. <laughs> I said, I'm the pastor and I'm a mess. I mean, just come home. <laughs> if we just put our rocks down, I want to tell there's something else I want to read to you, and, and I, I wasn't going to, but um, I think it would be apropos to do so. He made some oil that would work on. Um, infantile paralysis. God showed him how to make an oil that you rubbed on people's bodies and it would um, start healing them of paralysis. Well, listen to this story. The sad thing is that you can also detect the ones that are not so spiritual, added, said Jim. Oh, yes. Last week, a man brought an infantile paralysis son to me for treatment and I told him once, I can't help you. And he began to curse me and immediately from head to foot. And asked what business a N had in talking to him, a white man, that way. Why dang you, he said. Why can't you help my son? Because my prayers and the power of the ointment would never be able to penetrate the profanity in your heart. Let me tell you something. Medicine don't even work if you're mean. <laughs> Woo! One of the first things that's got to change if you want to start getting healed, you might want to start being nice. Yes. <laughs> How could I? There'd be no use. He simply had to go away. He's just like the little flower. It'll give your, it'll, it, the flower will give you its secrets if you love it enough. Anything you love will give its secrets to you. Amen. That includes your spouse. Don't go quiet on me yet. John 13. Well, we're doing good for time. I'm going to close with this, but I want to show you something before we leave here today. Let's get you in the spirit of Christmas. I, I think the, the mystery of God taking on flesh is incredible. I think the whole mystery of Jesus is incredible. 
I, I think the whole, you know, everybody that dies wants to meet him except the bad people. <laughs> but I want to read something to you now. Um, John 13, let's start with verse 1. And before the feast of Passover, Jesus knew his hour had come that he would depart from the world. And the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil already put in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. And Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God, there it is again, and he's going to God or going back to God, he rose from supper and laid aside his garment and took a towel and gird himself. And that he poured water in the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which he was girded. And he came to Simon Peter and said, Lord, are you washing my feet? Now let's, let's, let's talk about this for a minute. Because in the Jewish home, they, they bought slaves to wash feet. Nobody ever washed anybody's feet unless you were a bought slave. That was beyond the dignity of any human being to wash another man's feet. Now, that's, we, in our society today, we have people who wash cars and people who wash our cars. And we have people who clean houses and people who clean our houses. And so this, 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 this still goes on today. But there, this is the lowest job in the home for anybody to do. So then you think about the fact that these guys have already been walking with Jesus for three and a half years now. They've watched him walk on water, cast out devils, talk to storms, raise the dead, heal the sick. And the last thing he does is get them off into a room and he takes off his outer garment, pulls off Peter's sandals and starts washing his feet. And Peter's like, that ain't happening. You are not. You're my master. Now listen to what he says here. Now, I'm going to tell you... There's a little more to this story, and I'll tell you in a minute. Well, let me tell you now. When I was in Tulsa, about ready to leave and come here to be in ministry, the Lord came into an apartment one day and said, I'm sending you to Orlando. It was kind of like my release from Tulsa, thank you, Jesus, and go into ministry. And then he said these words to me. I'm sending you to wash feet. And if you ever get too big to wash another man's feet, I will pull you out of ministry. I went, okay. That's when it hit me. Jesus is God. And he washed feet. Who are you? When did you get so big? When, when did we get so big we wouldn't even help people we don't? I mean, when we, if we have a hard time helping people we like, we just ignore the ones we don't. I'm having a problem over here. I'm going to have to come over here and just, I mean, that just, they're just like stare at me. They don't even, they don't say nothing. Listen. And Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus says, you don't wash my feet, you have no part in me. He said, well, not just my feet, my hands and head. He says, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but you're completely clean. And, but yet not all of you, talking about Judas Iscariot. Verse 12, when he had washed their feet, he took his garments, he sat down. He said, do you know what I just did? You call me teacher and Lord, and, and you say, well, for yes, yes, I am. And then your Lord and your teacher, I have washed your feet you ought to wash other people's. I have given you as an example for you to do as I have done to you. Christmas is really more about for God so loved what? He gave. He gave to you. Your salvation was because he's good, not because you're good. I'm going to tell you another story. We have some people here from Haiti. I got to preach in um, Port-au-Prince. Port and um, they had a Bible school there in Port-au-Prince. And most of the young people in the Bible school were not even born again when they came. They were street preachers who preached everything from Christianity to voodoo. They, didn't, they had no 
formal training. They just got on the streets and preached whatever they heard. So Faith Frederick went down and started a Bible school down there. Well, I went down and I said to Faith, I said, the first thing we got to teach them is redemption. What happened when Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, which I did. The second class I taught was being filled with the Holy Ghost. I said, all of you kids, there's 38 of them. All of y'all, they're kids. They're in their 20s. All of y'all need to be filled with the Holy Ghost if you're going to go back out of here and go preach in Jesus. And I knew that the mindset of people is that they have a hard time receiving. So I did something knowing Haiti. In Haiti, the, the average income is $20 a month. Now, I want you to imagine somebody walking up and pulling out a month's wages in a class and waving it. And I asked him, I said, how many of y'all would like to have this $20 bill? Do you know what they did? Nothing. And I knew because the Holy Ghost said, they think you're joking. I, so I said again, how many of you would like to have this $20 bill? And they just sat and looked at me. I'm not going to change because I'm going to stay with them until they get it. Yeah. I said, all right, you, all right. And I'm, and I'm walking by. And I remembered the people and the guys I'm walking by. And I can hear them thinking, boy, I'd like to have that $20 bill. <laughs> now, what's a month's wages here? Two grand? Some of y'all, four or five? Minimum, Maybe. Several thousand dollars. I mean, what if I pulled out a thousand dollars and said, who wants it? Yeah. The only easier to preach to than they were. But you understand their mindset. Nobody in their right mind would ever walk up and hand somebody a month's way. I mean, nobody does that kind of stuff. So they're sitting there dead quiet. And there was a girl about where Terry is. And very sheepishly, she went, I mean, she's scared like I'm fixing to really mess up. But I would love to have that 20. I do. And so I walked up, and I just handed it to her. I'm going to just give it to you. And, 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 and the whole building's quiet. And I said, do you think I'm going to take it back? It's quiet. I said, I'm not. All of the boys on this side, <laughs> they lost it. Man, I could have grabbed that 20 bill. I could have had that 20. Why didn't you say something? I mean, they are just, and I don't speak Creole, and I, don't, I know what they're saying. <laughs> And I mean, it sounds like, to me. And I mean, they're going crazy that somebody walked by with a month's wages and they asked them if they wanted and they sat there and did nothing. And I said, why did I give it to her? I don't know her. I said, I didn't do it because she's good. I did it because I'm good. I said, now God wants to give you all the Holy Ghost. Everybody in the building jumped up and started talking in tongues. They went, whoo, and took it from God and ran down. I mean, they just went, yeah, I'll take that and just ran with it. All but one guy. I didn't get a chance to talk to him later. God gave you salvation. He didn't ask you to qualify. He didn't ask you to earn it. He just gave you eternal life. That's what made the Jews so mad. A Gentile who's never even done anything, you're giving it to them? And we've been Jews all of our life keeping the law. Boy, did that tick the Jewish nation off when Paul started preaching. All right, now think about this for a minute. Did he give you eternal life? Was it free? He did it because he's good. Why are you charging people for love? 
Why are you waiting for them to earn it? Why don't you find the meanest person you know? (laughs) Uh, I I ain't ain't going back over there. I've already getting vibes out of that side. I ain't coming near you either. You I'm almost done with my message. I'm trying to get this point across. This is Christmas, folks. If there ought to be a time that you and I are actually living this thing called Christianity, it ought to be right now. Now, y'all know, y'all have relatives that buy you gifts every year. They don't think about what they're buying. They just walk through the store and go, eh, that'll be fine, and throw it in a box. Well, you know that. Don't do it. Don't have to be a lot of money. Put some thought and do something for someone else, whether they deserve it or not, because everybody wants to be loved. Everybody understands love. And I mean the meaner they are. (laughs) I mean, your flesh won't like it. We've already found that out this morning. Father, help them. (laughs) Father, you, this time of the year is probably the most beautiful time. And Father, I I say this in in front of these people. The day I walked in that crusade, you healed me. I was a very, very bad person. And yet you healed me. I did not know what to do with that. I had never had anybody do something so good for somebody so unworthy. It worked. Because over 40 years now I've been doing everything in my power because of that unconditional love. And the more I learn about you and the more I learn about your love, the more I want to love people. I pray that every one of us in this room would this season become a lot more like you. Take take our high and mighty attitudes off and let this mind be in us that was in Christ. Though he was equal with God, yet he tabernacled among us and came to our level. And came down to where we are to be with us and to love us and draw us back up. Nobody but a Christian God would love the people and come to them. Our God came to us. And this is the message, Father, of Christmas. This is the Christmas season. This is what Christmas is all about. Not waiting on people to earn it. Don't wait on people to become good. Give because we're good. And I pray, Father God, there'd be a reconciliation of people this year. It's like the young man that I worked with. And I give you praise and honor for that, sir. Everybody in the sound of my voice, in Jesus' name. I want to tell you one more story, even though I've prayed. I've told you this before, but I want to tell it to you again. I told it to the first service, and I just forgot to tell you, and I just want to, I don't want to get out of here until I do it. Right after I got saved... In Georgia, it's hot. There's no breeze coming off the ocean anywhere. And then sometimes in July and August, it'll get over 100 degrees. And I lived in a mobile home. If y'all have ever lived in a mobile home, it's literally a tin can. And it had air conditioning in the living room. It cooled off about four square feet of living room. In other words, if you sat in front of it, you'd get cool, but that's it. It's hot. It's just hot. It's miserable. Well, I'd been out working in the garden and got poison ivy all over my body. And I went in the bedroom that day and I'm reading the book of Job because to comfort myself. And I'm praying for healing. Nothing happened as usual. The lady next door, we'd been talking to her about Jesus a little bit. I just gotten, I hadn't been saved more than a couple of months. I was very, I was very shy, very introvert. I know y'all can't believe that. I'm laying in the bed feeling sorry for myself, which is what most people do when they get sick. It's why you're sick. And this brat comes over. This lady brings this brat. 
screaming in my house, making me more miserable than I am. Can't she see that I'm in here with Job? And so I'm going to get up and go in the living room and give her the evil eye. Now, y'all know what that is. Your mama had one. It's that look that you better straighten up or I'm fixing to tear something up. So I'm going to go give her the evil eye, and she's going to leave with this screaming kid. I get up, and I walk down, and I got poison ivy between my fingers. I got it in my armpits. I got it in my neck, got it in my toes and everything in between. I'm just covered in, I mean, I'm just taking calamine and pouring it on my head and just soaking it. I mean, I'm just pink. It's not doing any good. And when you sweat, it makes it worse. And I'm just sweating. And it's just miserable. I get up and walk in the living room and this woman has this baby in her hand. The baby's fist was balled up and its little fingernails was cutting into its own hand. Just screaming. And I looked at the baby and the Holy Ghost said, colic. At the time, I wasn't sure what colic was. But this little baby was in so much pain. I mean, it was just doubled up and screaming. And she had brought it over for us to pray. Well, I didn't, I'd never prayed in front of people and I was embarrassed to do so. So I bowed my head and I said, God, get her out of here. And I'll pray for the baby, but you got to get her out of here. And so she said, oh, my God, I left the stove on. And she handed me the baby. And the moment the baby hit my hands, I felt the power of God come out of me. It came down my arm and it hit that baby. And the baby fell asleep. It fell out in the power. It went boom. I mean, it was like a jolt of lightning came out. Just boom. When it hit that baby, and the baby just in my hand. Now you understand, I, I, I didn't even know where all this was in the Bible. I know nothing. And I'm standing there holding this baby and this woman comes back and she goes, oh, thank you. I knew you'd pray. And I handed her the baby. I still hadn't said anything to her. And I'm, I'm going back to me and Job. I'm walking down the hall and God said, now you and <laughs> healed me. I mean, the power of God hit me and my whole body Totally, the poison ivy just dried up and the itching stopped and instant. I said, what took you so long? He said, son, while you were laying there feeling sorry for yourself, I couldn't do anything. I needed you to empty. I needed you to take the power in you and give it away. So you would be empty. I didn't heal you. All I did was refill you. You gave away, and I gave back. As long as you were laying there feeling sorry, you stagnated the anointing. See, this is a time of year where you actually get your prayers answered. If you'll turn loose of it and start giving. You're sitting on the anointing, and you won't help anybody because you don't like them. I learned a lesson that day about the power of God. You're a river, not a lake. What God gave you, you got to give it away if you want more. The love in you, you've got to give it away. And most of the time, it's going to be to unlovely people. It might even be relatives. Hey, you want to mess their mind up? You go home and do something very kind. For someone who is not very nice to you at all. And don't do it because they're good. You do it because you're good. Let this mind be in you. If he took on flesh for us, you and I can do the same thing. Folks, I just answered your prayer for healing. You didn't know it. The anointing in you was like a river. I said, I said, out of your belly would flow rivers of living water. But I can't help a damn Christian who's all stopped up. Baufino, Ufino, Tanyahapa, Akito Sahatiko, Opretsede. 
And what you just heard today is very true. You learn to turn loose of the very thing you're holding on to. And you give it away, and I'll bring it back. And I'll be able to work in your life again the way I used to, says the Spirit of God. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.